Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome, everybody. I'm Jimmy, and he is not Josh. He's gone, which is really sad. He's got very, very important things to do, and so he couldn't be with us today. So I have the privilege of speaking today with Michael Kelly. Michael, thank you for being with us. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Michael is a busy man. He is the director of group ministry at Lifeway Christian Resources. He's also authored a couple of other books, Wednesdays Were Pretty Normal, A Boy, Cancer, and God, and the book Boring, Finding an Extraordinary God in an Ordinary Life. And he is most recently the author of a brand new book, Growing Down, Unlearning Patterns of Adulthood that Keep Us from Jesus. Okay. I have got things to ask you about this book, Michael. Uh, you're out of Nashville, correct? Correct. That's right. How's the, uh, how's the springtime coming in Nashville, by the way? Well, it's, it's not too bad. You know, springtime is the time when uh, everybody loves to be in Nashville, and then everybody who has allergies renews their yearly attempt to chop down all the Bradford pear trees. Oh, is that what does it for y'all, Bradford pears? It's, yeah, they're really bad. They're actually, as I understand it, they're not even native to Middle Tennessee, um, but they have been, they're so beautiful. So many have been planted right. around here that it just, it, it just, oh, it kills you. Austin, it's all about the cedar. We have like the largest cedar break, like in North America or something like north and west of Austin. So in the winter, just boom, we get it. I was, uh, I actually grew up in Amarillo, Texas, which is a bit further north from you guys. And, yes, uh, of course, in Amarillo, there there are no any tree should give you a problem in Amarillo, right? That's, that's right. You're, you're not accustomed to any of them. <laughs> exactly. A tall bush is like something else. Absolutely. You got to lay down to get shade. That's how it works there. I hear you. All right, your new book, Growing Down. You said that the Lord has constantly used your kids as a tool of discipleship. Tell me how that philosophy has sort of led into you writing this book and what your new book is all about? Sure. Uh, well, you know, I think any parent uh, would say that uh, the kids that you have are a great crucible for discipleship. And there's there's all kinds of ways that happens. You know, some of them I think are obvious and that the Lord uses your children to develop things like patience in you all the time. So you're, yes, Lord. you're growing as you, as you parent. But it strikes me that they're also uh, a tool in the hands of the Lord uh, because in observing your children, you actually start to see some some traits in them that are, are fairly natural to them, especially when they're young, that are traits that, that make really good uh, citizens of the kingdom of God. So it's 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 a bit like what Jesus said, you know, when he became angry with his disciples when they were pushing the children away and Jesus said, "No, let the children come because what you don't realize is that 
these children are actually closer to the kingdom than you are, despite the fact that you have traveled with me and heard me teach and all these other things. It's these children that are close to the kingdom of God. So mm-hmm. that's, that is really the impetus behind the book is, is trying to think, you know, what did Jesus actually mean here? Why are children close to the kingdom of God? Or what is it in kids that make them so close mm-hmm. to being able to receive the kingdom? So it's, it's things that, that kids have naturally, things like, you know, this inherent trust in their parents, um, things like simplicity and wonder uh, and passion, um, all these things that kids have that we sort of uh, age out of as we, as we get older. Uh, and so the book is an attempt um, to uh, try and help people regain some of those things. Uh, so as they grow up in Christ, they actually start to grow down in some very adultish kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, we always tell people that adolescence begins with the onset of puberty, and it ends when that child assumes all adult roles and responsibilities. And the average age of puberty ending in the United States is now upwards of 24 years old and is getting later all the time. But it's this, you know, this when we adopt all adult roles and responsibilities, this self-sufficiency, you said that's the thing that sort of runs up against the gospel. It really does. Uh, now, just to be clear, you know, self-sufficiency in the world, this is a, I mean, it's a really good thing and something that the Lord wants from us. You know, he wants us to actually become adults. But there is a, I think there's a really, really incredible kind of irony here for the Christian in that the most self-sufficient Christian is actually the Christian that is most aware of their dependence on God. Oh yeah. We say, yeah, we say all the time, the closer you get to God, the further away from God you realize you are. That's exactly right. It's never sort of this, you, you, you get to some sort of mountaintop spiritually and then look down and, and think, yeah, I've really, I've made it. Now I'm, I'm here. The most seasoned Christians that I've ever been around would say exactly what you just said, Jimmy, that, that they, would, they would never see themselves on top of that plateau, but instead would, would remark, boy, I've walked with Jesus for all these decades, and, uh, and only now do I see how far I have, yet, I have yet to go. I'm the chief among sinners. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So the, the, the self-sufficiency in the world is great. You know, you pay you pay your own bills. You are responsible. You you're joyful about the responsibilities that you have as uh, as a father or a mother or or a, a worker in an organization. You know, you you embrace those things. Where self sufficiency goes wrong is that you start thinking that you are capable in and of yourself to merit something before before God. So we we really do lose track of the gospel when our self-sufficiency bleeds over uh, spiritually. And yeah. um, you f- I think you find all kinds of examples in the New Testament where that, where that has happened to people, and they have to be called back to the basic truth of the gospel. And I think, you know, parents need to, to perk their ears up at this. We live in a world of snowflakes, right? That if we walk by a certain building with a certain name on it, we have to go get counseling. And so we have, as, and, and we see it certainly here at the Timothy Center since we deal so much with adolescence, this, this entitled generation that was brought up every time something bad happened, someone threw a pillow under their rear end so they had a soft landing. 
And so, you know, a lot of times within the church, you know, we're trying to say, okay, hey, you know, we can't, we can't be this. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be responsible. So you're, you're drawing, it's a fine line, but it's a very distinct line between outwardly and societally, we're to be responsible, but with it, well, responsible, but to take responsibility and to be self-sufficient. But in a, in, in a spiritual realm, that kind of attitude actually works against our walk with Christ. Yes, I think it does. Uh, and I think that that idea is something that most, most parents can probably resonate with to, mm-hmm. to some sense. I mean, I, boy, you know, I, our kids, Jimmy, we've got a, we've got a 13 year old, we have a 10 year old and we have an eight year old. So we are just, we are knocking on the door now and have like one foot into a teenage world. And, uh, you I know, just, we counsel online across the country. So <laughs> if you would good. like so to after like the podcast, we'll, we'll follow yeah. up operators. Absolutely. You could just pay ahead. Mm-hmm. So I would have thought when I first became a dad, I would have thought that I would have had a lot more figured out by now than I actually do. And isn't that the truth? What I, what I've come to, to think is that maybe the dirty little secret of parenting is that none of us actually know what we're doing. We, you know, we, we hope we do, we pray we do, but in the end we make the best decisions we can for our kids and we just move forward in, in, in faith, integrating the best principles that we, that we can. So the reason why I think the, I, that fine line that you talked about resonates with parents is because they are in the eyes of their kids, at least until they they get old enough to develop that kind of, of cynicism that comes with the teenage years, right? They are in the eyes of their kids, the ones who know everything, can do everything, and will provide, you know, safety and security and, and everything that they they need. But the irony is that that any parent worth their salt is on their knees before the Lord crying out for wisdom on a daily basis because we because we don't know what we're doing. You know, we are we're doing the very best we can at a moment. So we are, in a sense, both very responsible and yet very humbly insufficient for the task that has been given to us. In youth ministry, I always, you know, used to tell people that, you know, kind of our job was to to grow up kids that would be independently dependent upon God. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. And, and that's a, sort of a way of putting that, I guess. You also said this, you know, and I love it when you talk about the cynicism of the teenage years, and it is sort of sad when you see that hit a kid, uh, and you go, oh, that childlike innocence is gone. You said when we become adults, we often come to God with prerequisites. What did you mean by that? I think when we come to God, we, we, come, we come with certain demands and expectations on our parts as adults, a lot of it might have to do with our perceived level of righteousness, you know? Mm-hmm. So at some point we uh, develop almost a flea market kind of mentality with God where I'm going to bring some of my stuff that I've, I feel like I've done well and try to exchange that for some of his blessings. And we handle and it's, it's, for that. That's right. And we handle it. <laughs> and we get angry when he doesn't, you know, meet the expectation that we, yeah, that we that's have. Right. Yeah. Um, the opposite of doing that, of, of coming with prerequisites to, to God, is really coming 
with a a very pure and innocent kind of trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, so when we come to the Lord, um, we we pray and we ask the Lord for things, but we trust not only in His ability but also in His wisdom. You know, I think about where Jesus taught where he was talking about the difference between earthly fathers and the heavenly father, you know, and he says, if, if you as earthly fathers, you know, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more uh, does your heavenly father know how to give this? And, and the, the comparison he makes is what, who among you as an earthly father, if a, a, a son comes and asks for you for a fish is going to give him a snake mm-hmm. or if it comes in and he asks for bread, are you going to give him a stone? Well, my problem as a child of God, is that I often think I am asking my heavenly father for a fish, when in reality, I'm asking him for a snake. I just don't know it. So when he doesn't give me the fish that I think I'm asking for, it looks like a snake to me, but he's actually giving me a fish. So at some point, I've I've got to come around the idea that the Lord is trustworthy, not just in terms of his power, but actually in his wisdom, in the decisions that he makes. You said that we lose that when we become adults and we have these prerequisites. What are some of the mature adult-like characteristics that keep us at an arm's length from Jesus? I think there are many of these. You know, I'll, I'll just say personally for me, some of, the, some of the ones that keep me from Jesus would be things like uh, anxiety, um, I, I think keeps me from Jesus many times. Um, things like complexity keeps me from Jesus. And then here's another one. I, I think sometimes my education keeps me mm-hmm. from Jesus. Absolutely. So there's a, a corresponding uh, kind of opposite to that that you find in, in children. So um, if adults have this sense of anxiety, the childlike characteristic is that of trust. And if, if adults have uh, this sense of complexity that everything in life is so complicated, that kids have a natural simplicity. And then the opposite of uh, if we are maybe overeducated in terms of our relationship with God, then kids uh, have this simple wonder that is, is the opposite of that. And in a way, it's education. It could be career success. Yes. All of these things you're saying lead us to believe in ourselves. And to the extent that we sort of buy into our own press, we're believing less in Jesus. We are. Yeah, we are. Um I, I, in looking at the way that my kids uh, have approached me, um, especially when they were really little, you know, one of my, I remember it to this day, uh, I remember distinctly when, when my youngest son was about three years old, uh, I had come in the back door from work one day and he was at the top of the stairs and he heard me come in and he, it was just, man, it was such, it was just pure exuberance. Uh, that I really, I hadn't done anything really to deserve that except to be his father, you know? And, and he said, uh, daddy, where are you? I love you. Like both of those things together. Like, I want to know where you are. And I I've got this love for you that I've got to express right now. And it was wonderful. I mean, it was really wonderful as a father because it was so pure. He wasn't self-conscious about the way he was talking to me. He didn't. So do you like follow this child around and just listen for him to just blurt out a sermon? Yeah, it's great. Really, I, mean, I would follow him with a notepad. Yeah, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was. Fantastic. It was. It was awesome. But again, but that self consciousness too yeah. is something we develop as adults, and kids just don't have that. And 
And I, that's the kind of relationship that I would like to have as I mature in Christ, that I am growing down in all these things, in anxiety, in complexity, in self-consciousness, all these things. Well, you've said that the world is now overburdened with complexity. What do you mean by that? I mean that most every, it, it feels like to me, most every issue we tend to overcomplicate what it actually has to be. Now, I don't mean to say that there aren't complicated and complex issues in the world. There certainly are. But I, I, I have found it helpful, and I think it's, it's probably helpful for other people, just at a base level, every once in a while, to zoom back out, outside of all the mess and all the noise of all the different complexities of all these social relationships and, and, and terminology and everything else that's going on, and come back to the very center, you know, the, the heart of, of everything. And at the heart of everything, you really find some very, very simple statements that you can build your life around. Just the, the simple things like, uh, Jesus loves me and died for me. Um, simple things like, I can take God at his word. Mm. Um, in, in things like that, I often, again, to go back to earlier in the conversation, I think about older Christians. Um, I think about my grandmother who, is, uh, who died not too long, <clears throat> excuse me, not too long ago. And she was a Christian for you know, decades, decades, 60, 70 years. She was a believer and followed Jesus. Uh, she wasn't a, a super educated woman. Uh, she was never rich. Um, she, nobody would ever know her name. But even, you know, living her last days out in a nursing home, it felt like as she got older, her faith became less and less complex, down to the point where her faith consisted of, I'm going to read my Bible, and if God's Word says this, then this is what is true, and that's what I'm going to act on. Regardless of how complex the issue might be, I'm going to take God at His Word. When you see families today— and you see their schedules, their finances, their relation. What would you say to the young family that looks at their life and they say, oh my gosh, it is so complex? I think I would say, uh, yes, it, it is. Um, but in, in a kind way, complexity is a bit of our own making. It Bring doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be. Like we find ourselves in a situation that we ourselves have created. So Ooh, you're starting to preach now. Come on. If we yeah, right. <laughs> well, we're we're living this now, you know, because our our kids are it's it's amazing the amount of opportunities that were there. So there's you know there's travel ball teams, there's yeah. all kinds of extracurricular activities at school, there's more homework, there's you know, we got self I mean everything, you know, everything. But it's never going to become less. Everything is going to drift toward complexity and not drift toward simplicity. So that means if you really want to have a less complex kind of family atmosphere, the only way to do it is to actually anchor yourself down to something and take steps toward simplicity. So if you do nothing, your life will always drift in complexity. Yeah. Not here, here's one of the important things, I think, in the conversation is that pursuing simplicity is really an act of faith, because if you're going to pursue simplicity, you must be willing to do one of the hardest things. It's one of the hardest things in the world, at least it is for me, and that is mm -hmm. to say no. It's hard. Mm -hmm. And our ability to say no is contingent on what we really believe to be true about our acceptance 
through Christ and the gospel. Mm-hmm. Most of the times I've found I, I overburden myself with complexity and opportunities and allow our family to do the same thing because I, I'm afraid that somebody's going to miss out an opportunity or yeah. uh, somebody's not going to get what they need. Well, all of those questions at their heart really are a question of faith. Do I really believe that the Lord is enough? And do I, I really believe that he's already told us what is important? Do I really believe we're fully accepted in Christ? If I do, then I've got all the freedom in the world to say no to things. Michael, man, I appreciate you being here. We could go on for a while. The book is Growing Down, Unlearning Patterns of Adulthood That Keep Us from Jesus. You can follow Michael on Twitter at underline Michael Kelly, and that's K-E-L-L-E-Y, or you can check out his website at michaelkelly.co, not .com, .co. Michael, thank you so very much for being here. Jimmy, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Really enjoyed that conversation. Probably save the best for last. If we don't do anything, I love that. If we don't do anything in our families, we are going to drift toward complexity. Come on now. That's worth getting the book right there. We're gonna, we, we have to intentionally simplify our lives. And when we look and we've got three kids going 13 different directions with sports and bands and practices and rehearsals and involvement at church and we're going and we've got that complexity is self-imposed. The necessity, not only just the good idea, but the necessity of simplifying. Loved it. Again, Michael's book is Growing Down, Unlearning Patterns of Adulthood That Keep Us From Jesus. Go grab it wherever it is you grab books. Hopefully you enjoyed this interview without Josh here because I think all of us can agree. Virtually, all the questions were 70 to 80% more intelligent. So I know you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, we'll have uh, Josh here back uh, next time. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you soon. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We're all the time telling our children not to call people names. And Josh, why is it that we try to tell them? Why, why do you tell Ruthie and JJ, Sammy's the worst. Sammy calls people names all the time. But why do you tell them not to call their friends names? It's not nice. It's not nice. Why is it not nice? Because it's mean. Because it's mean. It is mean. <laughs> all those times you've called me names, didn't you know that I can just be called Jabba the Hutt so many times before it starts to affect me? <laughs>